Welcome to the Sermon Podcast of First Christian Church of St. Paul, located in Roseville, Minnesota. We are a congregation of Christian Church, Disciples of Christ, a congregation that is united in Christ for the sake of the world. Join us for worship in person or via our live stream Sundays at 11 a.m. You can learn more about us by going to FCCStPaul.org. Here is this week's sermon. Our text for today comes from the book of of Jeremiah, verses uh, chapter 29, verses 1, uh, 4 through 7, and then Luke 17, 11 through 19. These are the words of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the remaining elders and among the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat what they produce. Take wives, have sons and daughters, take wives for your sons, give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for, it, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. And now from Luke 17, 11 through 19. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten men with skin disease approached him. Keeping their distance, they called out, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, Were not ten made clean? So where are the other nine? Did none of them return to give glory to God except this foreigner? Then he said to them, get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. Swear to God for all the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. I laid in my hospital bed feeling sad. Now, physically, I was feeling better. The infection that had pressed up against my lungs and actually scarred my lungs, that had made it almost impossible to breathe, had been eased, thanks to all of the antibiotics that were being pumped into my body through IVs that were battling the virus. But I was still sad. It was Thanksgiving Day of 1996, and I was in the hospital. I had come down with a severe case of pneumonia, and it was very serious. Now, Thanksgiving is probably my favorite holiday, and here I was in the hospital alone. Now, of course, the great thing about Thanksgiving is, of course, the family and, of course, the food. 
And the good thing, again, physically, was that I had got my appetite back. And that was after nearly, probably about two weeks of not being able to keep anything down. And I was looking forward to having a time with other people, with family, especially after being kind of separated from people for so long, and to eat home-cooked food. But that wasn't happening. Not this year. I still was not strong enough to leave the hospital. So there I sat in my hospital bed watching the Denver Broncos play some other team on television. But it was then that my parents had shown up. They had driven all the way from Michigan the week before to take care of me. And while they were here, mom decided actually to cook a meal for me of macaroni and cheese, of cornbread dressing, and of course of turkey. I can tell you that for me, it was probably the best tasting food that I had ever had. Now, it wasn't that mom did something better than usual and not that she was a bad cook, she's a great cook. No, what made it good was one, that I was able to eat actual food for the first time in a long time, and that even though I was stuck in a hospital on this my favorite holiday, I was able to have a great Thanksgiving, probably one of the most memorable and best Thanksgiving that I ever had. The illness that I had cut me off from day-to-day -day life. And slowly but surely, I was able to feel connected again. And this was a sign of that. I was truly thankful for improving health for family and for friends, and for definitely for not being alone on a holiday. I was feeling a sense of gratitude. And gratitude is a way that allows us to not take life for granted. The story of Jesus and the 10 lepers sounds like a lot of the healing stories that we find in the Gospels. People come forward, they ask to be healed, Jesus heals them. Bada bing, bada boom. But if you look a bit closer on this one, you start to see things that you didn't see at first. First thing that you want to notice is that Jesus is on the border between Galilee and Samaria. And it means that he is between two different regions with two different cultures. Now, Jews and Samaritans were related. But as is always the case, sometimes cultures that are somewhat similar but not the same tend to be more hostile towards each other. And that was the case here. The other thing to notice is that the lepers, or the people who had skin disease, were considered ritually unclean. So they were cut off from the rest of society. They could not come near loved ones, nor could loved ones come near to them. So they come to Jesus, they are shouting to be healed. And it's interesting that the text says that they kept their distance. 
which of course seems much more resonant to us today in these, our post-COVID lives. So Jesus simply tells them to go and show themselves to the priest. The priest was going to be the one that could kind of give them the A-OK. So they leave, and they don't even get to the priest when they realize their skin has been healed. And so you can imagine their joy and their jubilation that is coming from the group, and they um, are ecstatic. Now, meanwhile, we never know where Jesus is. I kind of like to imagine that he was at some kind of version of Starbucks, reading the Roman Empire's version of The Economist, and then he hears this noise. And he realizes that it's one of the men, one of the men that he had, that had been asked to be healed. And he recognizes that this, who this man is. And the man frantically runs to Jesus. He bows down and he is thanking Jesus profusely. Jesus starts to wonder, wait, weren't there 10 of you? Why is there just one? Where did the other nine go? And then he also realizes something else. This person is a Samaritan, a foreigner, an outsider. So this guy was an outsider not just once but twice. Once because of his health and then also because of his ethnicity. So Jesus is probably wondering, why was it that this person, this person who was a foreigner, who was outside of the faith, the one that seemed to express profound gratitude? Now, we have no idea what happened to those other nine. But the story seems to tell us that they were excited, that they had been healed, but I wonder what set them, what set the Samaritan apart from the others was that he was an outsider. He knew what it meant to be totally on the outside. That these people were probably going to go back to whatever their normal lives were. And we don't know, maybe he wasn't going back to a necessarily normal life. Again, he was an outsider. Maybe to them, Jesus was a means to an end. That doesn't mean that they were intentionally ingrate, but I think that they just didn't think it was so important to come back and say thank you. But to someone who had been cut off in so many more ways than one, who knew what it meant, and probably knew that he was still, in many ways, an outsider, he gave thanks that one thing in his life was made easier through Jesus. In our text in Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah is now talking to the Israelites. They have all, he's talking to those that have been carried off into exile. Their kingdom had been invaded and now they were sent away from their homeland. They had chosen not to follow the way of God and the result now is they are far from home. And Jeremiah gives this message to the people. 
speaking of God speaking through Jeremiah. And the word is simple. Build homes, start families, plant gardens. Seek the welfare of where you are. I wonder at times if this is a way of saying that they had taken God for granted while they were home. Now, here they are in exile. God is telling them, don't focus and feel sorry for yourself. Live your life. And may that life be a sense of gratitude. May it be a blessing to the society where you are. And in that blessing, it's also a sense of gratitude. Because now they know what it means to be cut off, to be far away, to have to rely on God because all the things that they once had, they don't have. It can feel at times that our congregation is in a form of exile. We're no longer in a permanent home. Post-COVID, it feels like we're still trying to find our footing. And the temptation is great to withdraw, to pull ourselves in. And I hear that a lot talking with people about how much our culture at times post-COVID seems to be withdrawing, to not connect with one another, um, to not do, feel less willing to venture out. And the funny thing is, is that that is not uncommon, especially following pandemics. But the passages that we see today are telling us to live outward, to seek the welfare of where we are located, and to live out our thankfulness. There are a lot of people outside the walls of this congregation that are cut off from life. I've been listening to, there's a new book out by someone from the Brookings Institution, Richard Reeves, um, and he talks about the struggle of men and boys in our modern society, especially working class men and boys, and also especially African-American men and boys. One of the statistics that he shares is that in some cases, men financially are making less than they did in 1979. So that 40 years, things are not going well. And there is actually many statistics out there that are showing that there are a lot of men who are just aren't working. A few weeks ago, a week or two ago, I met with the community liaison officer of the Roseville Police Department. It's kind of where I'm wanting to meet with some of the um, stakeholders in the community and see about how we can be of help. And he talked about how the police department is trying to help those that are dealing with homelessness and those that are dealing with mental health. And the need there, and both of those are great. So how do we respond to those issues? Now, it would be easy for us to come up with some excuses that would make sense. 
We don't live in the area. We're too small to help. We don't have time. And all of those excuses are true. But this passage tells us to seek the welfare of the city or the suburb. It still calls us not to wait until we have it all together, but to go out because in gratitude of what Christ has done for us in our lives. We need to, as I've said before, live a life of gratitude because that's how to, because of what God has done in our life. In a few moments, we will be having communion. The fancy word for communion is Eucharist. And Eucharist comes from a Greek word. And the Greek word means thanks. So communion is a way of expressing gratitude for what God has done through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we live out that gratitude by how we treat others, both within the community and without. I'm planning, as I said, to meet with other stakeholders here in Roseville. But I really hope that those of you in our church, both here physically and also those who are watching virtually, will we'll get curious and learn more about our community and find ways to seek its welfare. This is not something that is just left to the pastor. It is for all of us as followers of Jesus Christ. Last year, the actor William Shatner became the oldest person to go into space at the age of 90. Uh, the former Star Trek actor had expected when he was going to go up into space that it would be awe-inspiring. It was, but just not in the way that he intended. When he actually looked out at space, what he saw was nothing but darkness. And he described it actually as death. And then he would look back at the Earth, and he could see the curvature of the planet, and he could see the beige of the desert, and the whites of the clouds, and the blue sky. And he thought that going up to see space was going to be some kind of a cathartic moment, and that he would have this connection to the space. But he didn't. It wasn't the cathartic moment was not towards space, but it was actually towards Earth where he had and could see the connection of all life, he, he realized that that connection was not found in space, but on Earth. And it took going up miles above the planet to see that. I want to share this quote. It was among the strongest feelings of grief I had ever encountered. The contrast between the vicious coldness of space and the warm nurturing of Earth below filled me with overwhelming sadness. Every day we are confronted with the knowledge of further destruction of Earth at our hands, the extinction of animal species, of flora, of fauna, things that took five billion years to evolve and suddenly we will never see them again because of the interference of mankind. It filled me with dread. My trip to space was supposed to be a celebration. 
Instead, it felt like a funeral. I learned later that I was not alone in this feeling. It's called the overview effect. It is not uncommon among astronauts, including Yuri Gagarin, Michael Collins, Sally Ride, and many others. Essentially, when someone travels to space and views Earth from orbit, a sense of the planet's fragility takes hold in an ineffable, instinct, instinctive manner. Author Frank White first coined the term in 1987. There are no borders or boundaries on our planet except those that we create in our minds through human or through human behaviors. All the ideas and concepts that divide us when we are on the surface begin to fade from orbit and the moon. The result is a shift in worldview and in identity. He never says it, but I think what Shatner was feeling as he looked down as he saw the connectedness of Earth was a sense of gratitude. What he had taken for granted, he now saw in a different light, many miles above the planet. So as a community of faith, how do we live out our thankfulness? How do we live out our gratitude? That Thanksgiving 26 years ago was special for so many reasons. And my experience with that illness has instilled a sense of gratitude that I believe still lives on to this day. What about you? What are you thankful for? And what about this church? How do we live out our thankfulness corporately? Thanks be to God. Amen. We hope this week's sermon was nourishment for your soul. If you would like to listen to past sermons, watch past worship services, leave a prayer request, or get directions to our worship location, please visit our website at fccstpaul.org. May God be with you on your daily journey.